Hey everybody, Nick Espinosa, your chief security fanatic here. And in artificial intelligence news, we have to talk about AI writing detectors because they don't work. Now, if you don't know what an AI writing detector is, it's simply that. It's something that an educational institution would use to see if students were using ChatGPT or a competitor to essentially write a term paper, therefore plagiarizing or letting the AI do the work for them. Now, the reason why this is coming to light, and Ben Edwards of Ars Technica had a good write-up on this, is that OpenAI of ChatGPT in a recent FAQ basically admitted exactly that. AI writing detectors don't work despite frequently being used to punish people like students with false positives for plagiarism they never did. Now, in a section in that FAQ entitled, Do AI Detectors Work? OpenAI wrote, quote, in short, no. While some, including OpenAI, have released tools that purport to detect AI-generated content, none of these have proven to reliably distinguish between AI-generated and human-generated context. Now, for the record, this isn't new information per se. The author that I'm partially cribbing here from, who I think, again, had an excellent write-up, you should all read it, I've just got part of it here, also wrote an article back in July, and Benj Edwards had it uh, had an article entitled, Why AI Detectors Think the U.S. Constitution Was Written by AI. Now, here's what happens in a nutshell. Here's essentially the concept behind an AI writing detector, and I think it's important to understand this. In machine learning... The term perplexity is basically a measurement of how much a piece of text deviates from what an artificial or AI model has learned during its training. <clears throat> so the thinking behind the measuring uh, perplexity concept is that when they're writing text, AI models like ChatGPT will naturally reach out for what they know best when it comes uh, basically uh, you know, to, to detecting this stuff, and that is their training data. The closer the output to the tracing, uh, the training data, the lower the perplexity rating. And so humans are much more chaotic, or at least that's the concept behind this. But we also write with low perplexity as well, especially when we're imitating styles used in law or in academic writing. And so if you're in that college in institution and you're using academic writing styles and the AI has been trained on it, there you go. Also, Many of the phrases that we use in just day-to-day -day life or day-to-day -day, uh, uh, writing is very, very common and therefore is considered low perplexity. So the example that Benj Edward used I thought was absolutely brilliant because we all do this in some way, shape, or form. So work with me here and guess what the next word in this phrase would be. Guess what this would be? I would like a cup of blank. Now, if you're thinking about it, most people that are watching or listening to this in some way, shape, or form are thinking, I would like a cup of water, I would like a cup of tea, I would like a cup of coffee. Then AI language model trained on a lot of English would do the exact same thing because that's very frequent in writing. You can see it in literature, you can see it in blog posts, all this kind of stuff. Now, the perplexity of any of those three results, water, coffee, or tea, would be very low because that prediction is very certain. Now consider a less common completion of that phrase, I'd like a cup of spiders. Now both humans that are reading that and an AI language model that has learned to detecting AI would be surprised or perplexed 
by that sentence, and so the perplexity would be high. And for the record, I'd Like a Cup of Spiders, as of mid-July in a Google search when that article was originally written, had one hit on Google, and I Like a Cup of Coffee had 3.75 million. So the AI is very comfortable <laughs> saying, oh, I'd Like a Cup of Coffee, there's 3.75 million hits. T probably has something similar. Water has something similar. The Cup of Spiders has one. That's way out there. It's got to be a human. Now, if the language in the piece of text is not surprising based on the model's training, the perplexity will be low. I'd like a cup of coffee is low perplexity. So the AI detector will be more likely to classify the text as AI generated. That's why the US Constitution is essentially classified as being written by an artificial intelligence by these detectors. Now, in essence, the Constitution's language is so ingrained into all of these models because all of them are ingesting the U.S. Constitution. You can go read it for free on a million different websites, and so the big LLMs, large language models, are doing that. And so by virtue of that, when they see the language of the Constitution, is this written by an AI, they see it repeatedly over and over and over and over. It is low perplexity. Therefore, they think it's AI written, which is obviously a false positive. Now, with that understanding, we're not actually done why these detectors don't work, because OpenAI's new FAQ also addresses another big misconception, which is that ChatGPT itself can know whether text is AI written or not. And they wrote, and I quote, Additionally, ChatGPT has no knowledge of what content could be AI generated. It will sometimes make up responses to questions like, did you write this essay? Or could this have been written by an AI? These responses are random and have no basis in fact. <laughs> On top of this, OpenAI also addresses its AI model's propensity to confabulate false information. We call it hallucination. Now, I quote OpenAI, sometimes ChatGPT sounds convincing, but it might give you incorrect or misleading information, often called hallucination in the literature. It can even make up things like quotes or citations, so don't use it as your only source for research. Now, this is true. I wrote an article for Smirkanish of CNN, uh, I want to say six months ago-ish, on the ChatGPTs of the world where I got it to lie to me where I had actually anticipated or thought it anticipated what I wanted to hear from it, and essentially it, it lied. And so I gave it, feed up my bio. Do you know who Nick Espinoza is? I'm sorry, I don't know who Nick Espinoza is. Did you know he writes for Forbes? I didn't know that. I still don't know who he is. Do you know he did this and this and this? And one at a time I asked it, and at the very end I said, now that you have all this information on Nick Espinoza, will you tell others? And it said yes. Now, I know that's not how that works. Right, Because I've read the terms and conditions before I started using ChatGPT and I was an early adopter of that platform. So, so I understand that it, again, is hallucinating. There was a lawyer in Texas, for example, which was briefly mentioned in one of the R's, R's articles as well, where he went into court. And I actually use this example when I'm on stage uh, and talking where the lawyer basically uh, gave or submitted uh, basically case law to the judge to support his claim, whatever the claim was in that case. And the judge went to review all six cases that supported this lawyer only to find out none of these cases existed in the history of U.S. law. So the judge went back to the lawyer and said, what are you doing? You're lying in my court. And the lawyer had to admit, well, I used ChatGPT. I thought it was basically like a fancy Google on steroids. And so I didn't check the work. I just assumed that it had given me correct information. And now when you walk into that federal court in Texas, you as an attorney have to sign a waiver that says, I did not use an AI to get my information. And if I did, it was verified by a human, 
meaning it was accurate. So on top of that, when I speak in front of audiences and educators, I now get the question about how to tell if their students are using AI to write their papers. And honestly, I don't think oftentimes you need an artificial intelligence if you're actually reading the paper because my default answer usually is, look, all semester you've had that stoner kid in the back that has been a complete slacker, hasn't paid attention, is damn near failing your class, and then at the very last minute at the end of the semester turns in a beautiful thesis on 7th century Italian poets. You know that dude is using ChatGPT. So use some common sense, but these don't work as well. And I, one more example I'll give you is I recently went out to lunch with a friend. Now that friend had a nephew that is in high school and essentially wrote a paper. Now, according to my friend, his nephew is an excellent writer, loves to write, et cetera, et cetera. So would never use a ChatGPT. And one paragraph in something that he wrote, an essay or whatever it was, got flagged. And so they accused him of plagiarism or cheating and his parents had to go to bat and apparently the case was dropped and all of that, but that's what we're talking about here. So understand if you're an educator and you are watching this and I speak to education, uh, you know, organizations and, and, and school districts and all that kind of stuff all the time in my capacity as a speaker, I wouldn't be using these things just yet because odds are you're going to ruin a kid's day or a student's day and it's not their fault. So until they perfect this technology, I simply wouldn't use this to detect it. It just doesn't work. It's kind of junk. And so that is your news of the day. And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please feel free to subscribe to me at YouTube as well. And as always, stay safe, stay online, and please attempt to stay private. Thanks, guys.